And today our, our text takes us to a promise made by God through the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah prophesies into a trying time in Israel, and, and through his prophet, God speaks into our trying times. Life isn't always what we hope it would be. Sometimes, in spite of the holiday season, sometimes because of it. Regardless of where we are in life, this promise in Isaiah is a powerful and meaningful one for each of us. Isaiah truly is the gospel of the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 7, verses 10 to 14. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. And I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David. Is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, for your word is truth. Lord, I pray that you would speak through your word today, that you would perform the miracle that feeds our souls. Pray this in your name. Amen. The holiday season. This is a time of joy, a time of excitement, a time of happiness, a time of celebration. We're told over and over that this is the time to be happy. If you're going to be happy, this is it. I mean, there's, there's the, the Christmas classic. It's the most wonderful time of the year that proclaims it's the hap- happiest season of all. The gifts, the music, the time with friends and family. I mean, how could we not love Christmas? How could we not love Christmas? But you know, despite what we're supposed to think, despite the incessant programming telling us that this is the time of year to be joyful, this is the time of year to seize life and and wear a smile, there are many Americans that look and experience this holiday season, this, this Christmas season, with dread. Many of us experience what has been dubbed The holiday blues. Many of us don't look to Christmas with a sense of joy or anticipation. Instead, it brings insecurity, anxiety, sadness, irritability. People experiencing the holiday blues can even exhibit some physical symptoms in the form of headaches, stomach aches, problems sleeping. There are a few causes of the holiday blues, but one of the biggest culprits is loneliness. Loneliness. There are many of us who, you know, we can't be with family during the holidays. And, and so the greater emphasis on time spent with family just reminds us of how lonely we are. There are some of us who have just experienced a breakup. And regardless of whether you did the breaking or, or you got broke... There is pain and loneliness 
which again is magnified during this season. Loneliness is a hard thing. It's also incredibly common. According to an article published in a 2013 periodical of Slate magazine, loneliness has doubled. 40% of adults in two recent surveys said that they were lonely, up from 20% in the 1980s. Increased loneliness has led to the following serious health risks. Studies of elderly people and social isolation concluded that those without adequate social interaction were twice as likely to die early. The increased mortality risk from loneliness is comparable to that of smoking and twice as dangerous as obesity. Social isolation impairs immune function and boosts inflammation, which can lead to arthritis, type 2 diabetes, and heart disease. An article in Psychology Today from 2013 states that loneliness is not only painful emotionally, but it can have a devastating impact on one's long-term psychological and physical health. Loneliness predisposes us to depression and increases our risk of Alzheimer's disease. It suppresses our immune system functioning. It stresses our cardiovascular systems. And when chronic, it affects our longevity. Loneliness is not just making us sick. It's killing us. But sadly, as a culture, we rarely talk about it. Often, like many things, instead of talking about it, we, we try to make fun of it, right? We make light of it, as if laughing will just make the pain go away. We're all familiar with motivational posters, you know, the big pictures. I, I mainly see them in dentist's office. I'm not trying to, like, you know, segregate there or anything, but that's, that's where I typically see them. Maybe, maybe the doctors a bit, too, but just these, these big motivational posters that, you know, they say, like, teamwork or something, and they've got some witty, quippy saying at the bottom that, that helps describe what's going on there to, to motivate us, to get us going, to encourage us to the necessity and the, the helpfulness of teamwork. There's a website called despair.com, and it boasts a collection of demotivational posters. This is their take on loneliness. If you find yourself struggling with loneliness, you are not alone. And yet, you are alone. So very alone. We'd rather laugh about it. We don't want to talk about it. John T. Cassipio, a researcher at the University of Chicago who studies the effects of loneliness, put it this way. Admitting you are lonely is like holding a big L for loser on your forehead. There are many reasons that we might feel alone. Each of these reasons is magnified during a season when we are instructed, pushed, man, sometimes even forced to focus on all the things that make us lonely in the first place. In our text today, King Ahaz feels alone. He's in a bad spot. At this time, Israel has been split into two kingdoms. There's Judah in the south and Israel in the north. Ahaz is the kingdom of Judah in the south. Now, 
during this time, the Assyrians, or as the Bible often refers to them, the Babylonians, they're a world power. They're kind of like the big bad guy. They're the, they're the guy that is more or less running everything. Everyone's scared of the Babylonians. They're scared of Assyria at this point in time. They don't want to mess with the Assyrians. And the Assyrians are kind of like, they're throwing their weight around. They're kind of like, yeah, I got it. You've got to follow what I have to say. You've got to follow what, what I want. Now, the kingdom of, of Israel and the kingdom of Syria decide to stage an anti-Babylonian revolt. And they want Ahaz and the kingdom of Judah to join them. <laughs> but Ahaz doesn't want it. Are you kidding? I don't want to poke the bear. I don't want to go after those guys. They're way too big for us. We can't handle that. Ahaz does not want to do that. So they try to force him. They invade Judah as a means of capturing and subduing the people and forcing the people of Judah to fight the Babylonians with them. Ahaz is in a bad way. He feels alone. He feels isolated. His brothers have turned against him. Israel and Syria are led by and populated with people who are sons of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, just as Judah is. This is a betrayal. And Ahaz feels alone and scared. I mean, he can't win this fight. He knows it. What's more, his people know it. Everybody knows it. They're all scared. They're all betrayed. They all feel alone, abandoned. And at this time, in the midst of this conflict, this is when God sends Isaiah to Ahaz. In our passage this morning, we read the message for Ahaz that Isaiah had received from God. He says, ask me anything. Ask a sign of the Lord. Let it be deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. Ask me anything. Today's culture, we might be a little... Uh, familiar with ask me anything, you know, like when someone famous or important or that has knowledge goes on like a website and says, all right, I got like a couple hours or 30 minutes or whatever. I got time for an AMA. Just ask me whatever you want. And so then you like pepper them with questions about where they grew up, you know, what their favorite animal is, you know, whatever it may be. Ask me anything. Those, those situations in our culture today, I mean, that's, that's just trying to get information. God isn't just offering information here. He says, you're in a bad way, man. You are surrounded. You've been betrayed. You're alone. Ask me anything. And I will help you. I will help you. Just ask. Ask me anything. In the time of Ahaz's need, in the time of Judah's need, God says loudly and clearly, I am here. Let me help you. How does Ahaz respond? How does Ahaz respond? He says, no. No. His response was polite. His response was overly pious. It was designed to make him look 
as good as possible while refusing a generous offer, while refusing a lifeline from the living God. He tried to lessen the blow by appearing pious, by appearing like he actually cared about serving God. But his response was still no. Though I am alone, though I am scared, though I am in desperate need of help, no, God, I do not want your help. I'll do this on my own. I'll, I'll figure out a way. I don't want your help. Isn't that just like mankind? Isn't that just like us? No, we don't want help. You know, we can do it on our own. I can, I can get myself out of this. I can do it. I can pull myself up on my bootstraps. I'll work hard. I'll work real hard. I'll make this right. I can do it. I can do it. To ask for help is to vocalize that I have a problem. To ask for help is admitting that something is wrong, that I can't do it on my own. We see asking for help as holding that big L up to my forehead. To let everyone know that I'm weak, that I'm struggling, that I'm a loser. Now Ahaz did eventually ask for help, but it wasn't from God. He lacked faith. He lacked trust in God's ability. He didn't want help from someone he didn't believe in. Instead of relying on the intangible, he went running to the tangible. Instead of trusting God, he asked for help from the Babylonians, from the people that Israel and Syria were rebelling against. This action by Ahaz has been compared to a mouse being attacked by two rats and asking the cat for help. The cat does come, and he does take care of the rats, but then he has the mouse for dessert, as we read in 2 Kings chapter 16, verses 5-9. through 9. For it was into Babylon, in captivity and exile, that God's people went. So Ahaz says, no. I can do it on my own. What is God's response to Ahaz? What's God's response to Ahaz's refusal? Hear then, O house of David. Is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. First, he widens his message. He offers his help to the king, but when the king refuses, he offers his message of hope to the whole of Judah. For Judah is of the line of David. It is the house of David. And that is to whom Isaiah is now speaking. Hear then, O house of David. This is for all of you. I'm no longer speaking to the king. This is for all of you. Is it too little for you to weary men? that you weary my God also. You've been a pain in my side. You've exasperated me. You've turned away from me. 
You've left the ways of your fathers. You've intentionally worshipped other gods. You have sought after the things of the world. You've sought after the things of flesh. You have wearied me, says God. God is speaking to his people here. Not just to the people of Judah. Not just their sad and rebellious king Ahaz. He's talking to all of his people. He's talking to us. He's talking to us. We can feel the bite. The truth in those words, in his simple question, can't we? Is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? In our sin, we have wearied our God. We have exasperated him. We've turned away from him. We've strayed from the teachings of scripture and have intentionally worshipped other gods. The gods of popularity. The gods of financial security. The gods of lust and desire. The gods of fear. The idols that we have set up on our own private high places. We've given into the flesh time and time again. We have wearied our God. But he has not abandoned us. Despite all of the sin and the muck and the idol worship, our God has not abandoned us. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel. It means God with us. What is God's response to our wearying him? What is his response to our consistent betrayal? I am with you. I am with you. I am with you as you go through the valleys. I am with you as you reach the heights. I am with you in the storms. And I am with you in the calm quiet of the night. I am with you in the trials and the failures. And I am with you in the triumphs and the joys. No matter where you are, I am with you. I am with you. You are not alone. You are not alone. This prophecy from Isaiah was a messianic prophecy. It was foretelling the coming of the Messiah. And though those particular people in Judah who heard the words would not live to see the time when Jesus walked the earth, it was no less true for them than it was for the shepherds who witnessed his birth and the the disciples and crowds that sat under his teaching. Though they got to experience Jesus in the flesh, those in ancient Judah experienced Jesus in the promise. God was with them. This is evidenced by the fact that the story continues. That faith in God continued through the Babylonian exile. It was not always been pretty. 
And it may not have always been the way that they wanted his presence to manifest, but God was with them. And he is with us today as well. Because of Jesus' work on the cross, the separation between man and God is gone. The Holy Spirit has descended upon all believers and is with us now. No longer do we need priests to act as go-betweens between us and God. Jesus acts as the high priest so we can directly go to him. We can go directly to God. We can pray. We can read his word. He can speak to us through his word. We have been reconciled to God in Jesus Christ. God is with us. Emmanuel. Today is Christmas Eve. A time of joy and excitement for some of us. A season of loneliness and hurt for others. I don't know where you fall in the spectrum. Maybe you change depending on the day and the circumstance. Whatever the day may bring, whatever the season evokes in you, be it joy or sadness, know that God is with you. In the joy and in the pain, he has promised that he is with you. And we know that God keeps his promises. All we have to do is look at the baby lying in the manger, born of a virgin, to see that God keeps his promises. He made the promise through the prophet Isaiah, and he kept the promise through the virgin birth of his son. What a wonderful message of hope for each of us. God is with you. God is with you. You are not alone. What a gift. God bless each and every one of you this Christmas.